Okay, we're going to be continuing on our series of Good News for Bad Times. Uh, so get your Bibles ready, open them at 1 Peter. We're going to chapter 2 this week. So 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 1. And what we've been looking at really is how do you live in times that are extraordinary? Times that, where life doesn't turn out how you expected. Uh, where just nothing's panning out, nothing's working and you're not really sure what things look like going forward. Just sort of the times we're living in, uh, different circumstances but similar sort of issues that Peter's writing about in his letter to the churches that he'd helped plant. And last week we got on to uh, Peter talking about how do you uh, as an individual live in times like this. And if you remember last week, just a quick recap, he, what, what he basically said was, firstly, get your head on straight. Make sure you're looking at the right things, thinking about the right things, talking about the right things. And then he said, what comes next? Once you've got your head on straight, then you can uh, put, your, put God first and put your faith in God. Now, that's really important, isn't it? We can put our faith in all sorts of things. But Peter says, none of that works. The only thing that's really going to be helpful in extraordinary times, difficult times, bad times, is putting God first and then putting your faith in God and not in anything else. And then he said, well, you know, in the light of all that, how does that show? How do you, how do you know you're doing that? How does that work on the outside? How does the world around you see that? And he said, this is how they see it. You walk in love. And that's not just love because we get along with people, because we've got some sort of uh, common connection, common interest or whatever. He, he was urging us to go beyond that and walk in agape love, where we actually give of ourselves. We, we, we put others before ourselves. We sacrifice uh, ourselves for others. And that's a real challenge, isn't it? It's a, it's a challenge because our flesh doesn't want to do it. Our natural thinking doesn't want to do it. We don't want to do it. But God can love the unlovable through us. And, and that's where we finished last week. And, and it's so important that we remember that imperative to love. Uh, we've talked about this over the years as a church. It's right at the heart of our church that, that we want to be a family who are rooted and grounded in love. A family who look after each other, who care for each other. And that only works if each one of us as individuals takes responsibility for doing that to the ones in front of us. You can't organise love. And so let's go, let's uh, see what more he's got to say. Go with me to First Peter uh, chapter 2 and I'll begin reading at verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, deceit, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and all evil speaking as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Okay you know all of us have got times haven't we where we we realise that there's room for change in our life, that thing, that we're not quite how we want to be. Um, and, you know, we, we, we take a, a bit of a look at ourselves and we realise that we've, we've let things slip, we've let things uh, wander, we've got, gone off course. And then, you know, every year we have this reset, don't we? New year, new you. New year, new you. 
and we all come up with our resolutions and, and one of the most popular probably the most popular resolution is about losing weight well for me this year i i've already been on this 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 uh, diet uh, mixture of exercise mixture of uh, eating better been on this diet because i wanted to get ready for my daughter's wedding and uh, our daughter finally managed to get married just before christmas uh, that was the fourth attempt this year not at any fault of her own the fault that every time she tried to get married uh, something uh, stopped it you know there was another lockdown or another reason uh, why uh, you, you couldn't actually get together for marriages but anyway so I, I, I've been like losing weight for this and you know one of the things I discover is that as you get older it's harder to change isn't it it's not impossible to change it's just harder to change and and so what's really important is that we don't just wait till we get old or a few years have gone past to sort our lives out that we actually do it while we can and we do it and we start doing it as young as we can and you know the truth is that you know you discover when you're on a diet don't you that there's lots of things that you knew but you just weren't doing so one of the things you discover is when your diet is out your health is out you, you, your mind doesn't work as quickly you can't think as well you get tired easier you have those dips in an afternoon when you just feel like I can't concentrate I just want to have a little nap and you know why the, you've got to have a healthy diet and that's you know when you look at these verses there's certain things he mentions in these verses isn't there that he's talking about the spiritual diet what is it that makes you a healthy person not just in your body but particularly in your soul and your spirit. How do you look after your soul in these difficult times, in these bad times? And, and, he, and he says, he uses words like pure milk, and he talks about uh, being like newborn babes and that this pure milk helps us grow. And then he talks about tasting the grace of the Lord. And so all of those kind of made me think about diets and how we, how we stay healthy. And how do we stay healthy in bad times? And even if we're not there yet, the good news is that change is always possible with God. And, and not only is change always possible, but God's actually made provision for it. And what these verses are talking about is kind of a health plan that God, taught, God set out for us. And uh, he's got a three-part health plan. So let me tell you first up about that three-part health plan because that's what, we, what we're going to be looking at for uh, kind of the first part of today. So here's, here's the first part of the health plan. Eat healthily. And we're going to find out that what that means is you've got to actually open your Bible. Uh, you've got to change your lifestyle. So eat healthy, change your lifestyle. We build everything on, on a solid foundation. And then exercise. And what that means is that we can be healthy, we can live healthy in our souls when all around us is falling apart. We don't need to fall apart too. And, uh, you know, one of the, the good things that I noticed about having been on a diet, having lost weight, having feel, felt better, having felt fitter, doing all my, uh, you know, my 10,000 steps a day and, and all the rest of it. One of the things that, that I, I, I saw from that was that... Um, the clothes that I'd previously been wearing didn't fit me anymore. And so, you know, one of the things that, that I did is I went through my wardrobe and I thought, well, I'm not going back there. 
you know, these things, they, they just don't work for me anymore. So I'm not going back there. I'm going to throw them out. And, uh, you know, in, in this passage, he talks about laying aside certain things. And, it, and it, it's that picture, isn't it, that, that it's a bit like the words he's using there is uh, the, the actual Greek means put away, put away all these things. And uh, that, that word means stow away or pack up. Now, the easiest way I, I find to think about that, because that's a bit like when you're talking about uh, behaviours, it, it's, it's not quite kind of easy, easy to grasp. So the way I think about it is, is when I was emptying my wardrobe, the stuff that didn't suit me anymore, the stuff that I didn't like anymore, the stuff that didn't really uh, make me, uh, you know, the, the best bits of me shine, I, I, I kind of packed it all up, got a black bin bag out, stuffed it all in this bin bag and took it down to the clothing bank. And that's the picture he's talking about. That's, that's the thing we need to do when we find that we've got uh, behaviours and things about us that don't do as well, that don't suit us anymore that aren't who we now are, that don't fit with who we now are. And that, that's really key because we've all, if we're a believer, we're born again, we're a new creation, and things, certain things don't fit who, with who we are now. They're against our nature, they work against our DNA. So we have to pack them up, stick them in a, in a, in a bin bag and just get them out of our lives. And, and that, that's what he's talking about. You know... I, I heard a, a, a doctor talking the other day. One of the things that he, he said uh, as he, he was kind of in this discussion, he said, if you tell me what you eat, I'll tell you what problems are heading your way. If you tell me what you eat, I'll tell you what problems are heading your way. If you eat this, then you've got, you're likely to have heart problems. If you eat this, you're likely to have circulation problems. If you eat this, you're, likely to, you're more likely to develop cancer and so on and so on. So the bottom line I got from that, which is just really key to understanding this passage, is if you eat bad stuff, it's going to make you sick. You know, that fat is going somewhere. It, you know, all those sugars, they're going somewhere in your body. And, and some of them stick around a lot longer than we'd like them to and go to all the places we don't want them to. So that fat's going somewhere. And those toxins that we take into our bodies, they're going somewhere. They're circulating around us. They're going somewhere inside us. And if we want to well, be well, we've got to eat well. And what's true in the natural is also true in the spiritual. And that's what he's talking about here. He's saying, guys, you need, in these bad times, in these difficult times, the best thing you can do for yourself, uh, once you've done all those three things I've already talked about, the best thing you can do for yourself is change your diet. Have a reset of your spiritual diet. Have a reset of, of what's in. Go through that wardrobe, that spiritual wardrobe. Look at the stuff that's making your soul sick. Get it out. Stick it in that bin, spiritual bin bag and shove it away. And eat healthily from then on. And, you know, he's saying there's two types of diet you can have. You can have a diet that makes you sick or you can have a diet that makes you healthy. And then he lists five things in the diet that makes you sick. So he talks about, doesn't he, that I think, they, what's the first one? The first one's um, malice. Well, what's malice? Well, you know, I had to look up some of these because we, we kind of use these words and we have pictures of, of what they mean. 
but malice means I don't like you, so I don't want good for you. I don't like you, so I don't want good for you. And, it, and we carry that around inside us and it, and it makes us ill inside. And I was thinking, well, how do you know if you've got malice? What, what goes on in your head? And I, I was thinking to, you know, all the things that I've heard people say over the years and, and, and kind of trying to understand what way it was coming from. And, it, and then it really dawned on me what malice really looks like um, when it pops into my head. You know, the enemy's always popping stuff into our heads, isn't he? And, and our flesh is always popping stuff into our heads. You know, malice kind of um, works like this. Um, if, you, if you fail at something, if this person fails at something, then that makes me happy. I look at it, I go, ah, they failed. Didn't they deserve to fail? They don't deserve to do well. Uh, you know, and, and then if they do well, it makes me unhappy. So my emotions kind of follow on to the, the, the state that they're, they're, they're in, uh, what's happening in their life. You know, if, if something goes wrong for them, it, it kind of gives me a little glow inside. That's malice. And that's what he's saying. Uh, you know, right at the bottom line, what it means is, uh, and, and the way I think of it is that if somebody gets something good, if they get a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or they get married or they get a good job or they get a nice car or they move house to a bigger house and, and, we, and, and the first thing that goes through our head is they don't deserve that, then that's malice. And that's what he's talking about. And, and you see, the problem with these things is we think those things and we feel them inside, but... The other person, the person that we're directing that malice at, doesn't feel it at all. They're not even aware we're doing it. But what we're doing is we're making ourselves sick inside. Our soul is being affected by that. So he says, pack that up in that bin bag, get rid of it. And then there's, there's deceit. What's, what's deceit? Well, deceit's just saying things, uh, indicating things that are just not totally true. Skewing facts, uh, painting someone in an unflattering way. And uh, we, we all see that, don't we? You know, you, you don't have to be on social media for more than a minute to see somebody doing that to somebody else. And then there's hypocrisy. What's, what about hypocrisy? Well, how does hypocrisy make you, you sick? Well, well, what happens here? That word hypocrisy, where it came from is, it came from um, the way they used to do plays in in the the times of the ancient Greeks, and they didn't have very many actors, but they had plays with a lot of parts in them. So what they would have is that an actor we, he would come on, he would wear a mask, uh, he would play one part, then he'd go off the side of the stage, change his mask, come on and play a different part, and that's how they 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 did plays with not many actors to fill all the parts of the the play. Now what. What, what's, what's the idea behind that? Why do we use that word hypocrisy if that, that's what it means? We use that word hypocrisy because what it means is we are different. We, we put on a different face for every different person we meet. So somebody sees one part of one side of us, the, the face that we put on. Another person, we've got a face reserved for them. That third person, we've got a face reserved for them. Happy face, angry face, annoyed face, gloom face, depressed face. We've got all these faces, but none of them are really us. 
And, and so when we find that's really difficult to live with, isn't it? When we projected an image of ourselves, which just isn't true. And, and Peter, in, in a way, by telling us that hypocrisy is just uh, it, it's toxic to our soul. What he's saying is every face that you put on is different from the image of Christ, who you really are. And the world really needs to see the image of Christ in you. And then we've got envy. Envy, wanting something, desiring something uh, that, that you haven't got. The whole advertising industry, the whole, the whole media industry, the whole of social media works on the principle of envy. Making you jealous about the things that you don't have and somebody else have. And of course, all the, all the hypocrites who exist on social media, they're showing you all their best faces and you sat in your living room have only got your worst face to look at. And 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 you look at the two and you, we become envious of other people's lifestyles. One of the, the really sad things I think that I discovered recently was that the fastest growing websites, the fastest growing social media channels, uh, the fastest growing apps, are all based around images and the, what, the, what, the reason that they've grown so fast is that they sell, they, they're really good channels for advertising because they're based around an image then it creates envy in people and makes them want things. So what we're doing with our, our modern way of living is feeding that, that monster of envy inside of us. And Paul's saying that's really unhealthy for your soul. So pack it in that spiritual bin liner and put it one side and get rid of it. And then, then there's the last one, isn't there? The slander. What's slander? Well, we, we kind of all have an idea what slander is, but right the, the bottom line, it's, it's about making yourself look good and making everybody else look worse. And, uh, you know, we've got we've got invented new words for that now. We don't have slander anymore. We, we have social shaming. Uh, we have cancel culture. We have all sorts of things uh, where we try and make ourselves look good. Uh, virtue signaling and make other people look bad. And again, this culture that we've created, if we let it be the, the ground of our life, it's making us feel sick. It's making our souls sick. And so he said, that's a really unhealthy diet. So what's a healthy diet? Well, he uses this idea of newborn babes and pure milk to tell us what a healthy diet is. And uh, just like a baby, the, I think the reason he, he used this idea of newborn babes, just like a baby, to be healthy, to grow, to get big, to develop properly, we need a healthy spiritual diet. We need good nutrition. So what's what's good nutrition in this case? Well, good nutrition in this case is sound doctrine. It's the word of God. And one of the things that is, is really obvious from, from this passage is that he's saying that people are a product of the teaching that they receive. People are a product of the word that is in them. And... That's so important, isn't it? Because I think we've we've failed in our generation really to appreciate the, the the crucial need for good teaching, but that people uh, have sufficient nutrition to chew on and and make themselves healthy and to digest. You know, I Sean and I 
when I think back, we really just started Faith Life because there was that element that had developed within the church where you saw people who who were really struggling in all sorts of areas and nothing was changing for them and nothing had changed for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And yet they were they were born again believers, but they they, they were having all the wrong nutrition. They were they were kind of having fast food instead of nutritional food. And it was our kind of our love and compassion for them that, that ended up in the series of events by which, which Faith Life started. You know, people, the, the biggest group of people I think that we found are people that don't understand that God loves them. And they, 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 they're just, their lives as believers are just driven by trying to do all sorts of things to get God to love them. And they don't realise he actually does. And they, they struggle to receive that love. Other people haven't had good teaching around grace. So they think that everything they do, they earn by their own merits. And they're always trying to do that. And, you know, when we when we find ourselves in that situation, we are, the, the, these people are really a product of the unhealthy diet they've been receiving. Why? Because people are a product of the teaching they receive. They're a product of the word that's in them. You know, um, when you were you were a kid, and I just I just thought it occurred to me, so I'm going to digress a little bit. You know, when you were when you were a kid, um, you don't automatically go on to uh, a, a a nice lean piece of meat, uh, some good veg. Uh, some uh, well-cooked, well-prepared meal. You don't straight go there. You, you, you start on milk. And then, you know, after after several weeks, you get onto that really exciting food called baby rice, which uh, I used to try when our kids were little, and I thought, this is probably the most disgusting thing I've ever had, apart from cheesecake. And and so you, you get this, this this progression and eventually they go on to like liquidized food and fruit, fruit purees and they build up. Now, here's the thing. As believers, our palate for the word of God needs to be discipled. We, we can't introduce full on food too early. You know, one of the things that they've discovered is that some food allergies are a result of introducing things into children's diets too early. And what's true of a child is also a true of a child of God. And we, we need to develop and disciple our palate. But our palate, our, our, our spiritual palate, is being discipled all the time. So if your palate is, I live on social media, you won't be healthy. If your palate is, well, I just binge watch Netflix, then your palate won't be healthy. Now, I'm not saying the things that are on there are good, bad, or I'm not passing any judgment at all. I'm just saying if that's your palate, overall, you won't be healthy. You know, I, I, I don't really know anybody who, who looks at social media consistently and looks at it for more than a minute and comes off feeling better than when they went on. Most people come off feeling worse than when they first went on. And it's that envy thing that, that I talked about earlier. So the first thing is our palates need to be discipled. We need to learn to get in the flow of, of good teaching and develop some of those foundations 
that we need and that's so important and, and we try and find all ways of helping you do that but in in essence you've got to take responsibility uh, for it too and then the second thing is that it occurs to me that there's five things on that menu that make you sick and one thing makes you healthy so we got to major on that one thing and what's the one thing that makes you healthy the word of God you know it and Here's the thing, it can take a little while to go from sick to healthy. You know, you don't just get better overnight. If you're really poorly, you don't just get up the next morning generally and everything's gone and you feel brilliant. It's like a, a process. You know, and and if you, if you haven't been really getting into the Word of God, if you haven't had the patience all the time to uh, listen to some solid teaching, you know, picking up a Bible for a couple of days isn't really going to do it for you because the, you, you, your palate's not been discipled, you've not got uh, that time for the, to, to become healthy again. Two days in the Bible isn't going to cancel out 10 years of not in the Bible. You've got to do it consistently. And here's the third thing that I, I kind of realised that, you know, when I'd lost weight, when I got fitter, what the, the thing you realise when you get healthier is actually how sick you were, how, how unhealthy you were. Uh, you know, like when you're unhealthy, you don't think, you, you never think you're as bad as you are. And then you look at these videos, like the, the one that we put out a few weeks ago, it was filmed in the summer, and I thought, man, you were a big boy on that video. You know, you, you my cheeks were out. And, and you know, I didn't realise quite what level of weight I'd put on. Now, how does that tie into where we are in this world? Well, this world, I think we'd all agree, wouldn't we, that this world isn't getting healthy anytime soon. But the good news for these bad times is you can be healthy, even if the world around you isn't healthy, if you are in God's Word. In other words, you can be healthy in here, so you can be whole out there. Healthy in here, so you can be whole out there. You can't change what's going on in the world, but you can take care of what's going on in your soul inside you. And being healthy in here makes a big difference to being whole out there. So let's uh, look at some more verses. Let's go on to um, verse 4. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by, by no means put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he's precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders reject is become a chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. So let's just have a look at those verses. You see, how can, how can I express this to you? Yeah, okay. So... We have, uh, some of you who've been to our house will know that uh, our house was, uh, it's basically a converted 
original farmhouse that's had extensions put on, Edwardian farmhouse. And one of the things that we, we've still got as a legacy of that is we've got an old black uh, outbuilding. And that outbuilding we, we use for storage and so on. It, it, it was basically, a, it used to, I think, because they're still there, it was stabling for horses and, and so on. So anyway, so over the years, if you don't do anything with something, it starts to look not so good. I mean, this thing's made out, out of wood. It's one of these old black buildings that you find around here. And it's not quite looking as good as it is. But one of the things that we we thought about over the years is what could we do with that? Because it, it's kind of, you know, it's not going to get any better. We, we kind of need to do something with it. So we've been looking at all sorts of options of renovating it. And we've had people around and they've looked at it. Uh, and they, they all come to the same conclusion, you know, however, whatever you, angle you come at it from, they come to the same conclusion. Here's the problem. You'd be better off pulling it down and starting again because the issue is it hasn't got sufficient groundwork to support a stronger structure. And if you want something to be strong and uh, modern and to grow big, you need to dig down deep and put some foundations in. So, you know. And that's why we spend a lot of time digging deep into the word. That's why I spend a lot of time digging deep into the word. And that's why I try and help you guys get into the word for yourselves by giving you a framework by which you can understand it. And the reason for that is if we dig down deep into the word and put our foundations there, ultimately we can grow tall and stand solid in the wind and the storms. And what he, what, he, what he says here is, when you do that, the, the most important choice is that you find the right foundation to build your life on. And he talks about this idea of a cornerstone. What, what's a cornerstone? Well, a cornerstone, when they, they built buildings and they, they laid uh, the, the foundations and they dug down deep, they would lay this thing and they would have this cornerstone and it was a big stone, strong stone, and they would make sure it was set absolutely perfectly, absolutely straight, absolutely how they wanted it. And then the rest of the building would be developed and based on that cornerstone. So the most important choice when you're building something is the setting in the right place of the cornerstone. And the, and the reality is that every one of us builds our life on something. Uh, and if our life isn't going to crumble when the winds come, the storms come, the difficult times come, the tragedies come, the, the, the issues of life come, if it's not going to crumble, our life needs to be built on the right cornerstone. And here's the tragedy. You know, I find it it's so sad that some people, even believers, don't want that stone. They don't want the stone that Peter's talking about. They, they, they got, you know, I don't want Jesus. This is the sort of things that I've had. I don't want Jesus telling me how to conduct my marriage. I just want to go back my marriage the way I want to go back my marriage. I don't want Jesus telling me what to do with my finances. I don't want Jesus telling me that I, I've got to give the, the first portion of my finances away. I don't want Jesus telling me what I've got to do with my time. You know, I'm just so busy. I'm so busy. I haven't got time for all this. I don't want Jesus telling me how I've got to conduct my sexual relationships. I don't want Jesus telling me what to put in my body. I don't want Jesus telling me what I watch. I don't want Jesus telling me what I should and shouldn't be saying about others. And, and we, 
we, we've got this issue that, that we, we've got certain things that we get hung up about that we really don't want to hand over to, to Jesus to change. And, and we get offended by them. We get offended by them. Uh, you know, and, and folks just seem to get offended at building the, their lives on the idea of basing their life with Jesus as the cornerstone of life. Now, here's the point. This Christianity, real Christianity, does not work without being G Jesus being the centre of your life. If he isn't, you will stumble. That's what Peter's saying here. If Jesus isn't the centre of somebody's life, they will stumble. And so, you know, uh, I, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because we all got stuff like we want to make Jesus the centre of our life, but we've all got this stuff and we're going, I'm not going to be told what I should do. I'm not going to be told what I should do. This, this us keeps reasserting itself. That unhealthy bit of our soul keeps reasserting ourselves. And, it, and, you know, lots of people just straight reject Jesus and they go all through this life in this wobbly kind of off-skew foundation. They put their trust in money, they put their trust in their careers, they put their trust in, get, you know, uh, politics and all these sorts of things. Now, they aren't bad people, but life is fragile. And it's a constant battle to stop life toppling because this is a hard world we live in. And, and people without Jesus really struggle to carry the weight of it. You know, Christians struggle to carry the weight of it because we get offended about this sort of stuff and we don't put it into practice and we don't base our lives on Jesus. But those without Jesus, they really struggle with carrying the weight of that life. And why is that? It's because something precious is missing, that hope that Christ wants us to have. So here's the question. Here's the question that Peter's asking us. Here's the question that, that we're looking at this morning. Have we built our life on Jesus? And you might think, well, you talked about this last week, didn't you, Mark? You talked about putting God first. Well, yeah, I did talk about putting God first, but now I'm, I'm asking it in a different way from a different angle because that's what he said. Have you put, built your life on Jesus or have you built it on some, somebody else? And, and you, you find all sorts of things that people build their lives on. You know, some people are going, you know, no, 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 I, I, I don't need that. My cornerstone uh, is my job. So Jesus, bless my job. Or my marriage is my cornerstone. That's what I base my life on. So Jesus, please bless my marriage. Or uh, my cornerstone is my kids. And, and looking after my kids and doing all these things with my kids. So, Jesus, please bless my kids. Or my cornerstone's the government. So, Jesus, please make sure we've got a good government. Or I'm my cornerstone. So, Jesus, please bless me. You know, we can go on to those. My, getting my degrees, my cornerstone. So, Jesus, please help me pass my exams. My cornerstones, my friends and my peer group. So, Jesus, please bless my friends. Look after my friends. And, you know... I can understand this one. Jesus, my cornerstone's my dog, so please bless my dog. Cute little dog. You know, those things, every one of those can be gone overnight. Why? Because we're building on the wrong cornerstone. Jesus is the right cornerstone to put first. Jesus should get the first portion of our time. Jesus should get the first portion of our budget. Jesus should be first priority in our career. 
We should think of our career as what, does, what is this in the light of the kingdom. Jesus should be the first source of wisdom in our decisions. Jesus should be the first one we turn to when we don't understand something or we, something's difficult. Jesus should be the first focus and the centre of our marriages. Jesus first. That is health for our soul. So, you know, uh, we, we've, we've looked at uh, the first thing. Eat healthily, open our Bibles. Change our lifestyle, build on the cornerstone that is Jesus, build on the one foundation, put Jesus first. And then finally, I just want to uh, finish with something that really does give us hope, that really does give us life. Because Peter says, because when you do this, you will really find out the healthy you that you are. And he, t he begins to talk about the healthy you. So let's just go back to those verses and pick it up at verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not attained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. Here's the question, you know, we look around and here's my question. Is the world healthy? Well, no, it's not, is it? I think we, we'd all agree that the world, as we see it right now, is not healthy. Can you be healthy? Yes, absolutely. You can be healthy when the world around you isn't healthy. You know, for those who say yes to opening their Bible, for digging deep into the world and for building their life on Jesus, there's hope, there's joy, there's insight, there's courage. And that's the good news. That's the good news for these bad times. There's a healthy you that can live in an unhealthy world. There's a healthy you that can succeed in an unhealthy world. You can be healthy when the world around you isn't. You can be whole in here so you can be whole out there. And, and this is why, because you're part of a chosen race, you get to be part of a, a generation uh, a, a born-again race of all the nations, of all the people, of all the world, of every people group. You are part of a special chosen nation under God. And, and you, you become part of that one people when you are born again in Christ. One people, one God, everyone together. No barriers, no divides, no divisions, no favouritisms, no prejudices. One people. And you have a royal priesthood. What does that mean? Well, here's, here's what he's saying here. He's saying, you know, th these guys before Jesus came, they used to have a priest and he could go into the presence. He was the chosen one. He was the special one. And he could go into the presence of God once a year and meet with God. But now every one of us can meet directly with God. Every one of us has an open pathway to the presence of God. And, and not only do you have an open pathway to the presence of God, but you're a child of God. You're part of his family. So that when you, you walk into that presence, you're not walking into, into the face of an angry God. You're walking into the arms of the Father. You've got direct access to God. What, whatever's going around you, you've got a source of wisdom, a source of power, a source of strength, a source of courage, a source of boldness that is not available to anyone. There's hope, there's joy, there's, there's encouragement for you. And then he says, we're a holy nation. 
You know, our citizenship in this isn't in this unhealthy world. Our citizenship is in the kingdom of God. Our citizenship is in the heavens above. And it is the good news. It won't pass away. It won't fade. It won't get defiled. It's forever. It's an eternal citizenship. It can't be taken away from you. You can't have it robbed from you. It's yours. You have eternal citizenship. Uh, in, in, you're part of that holy nation that is precious to God. Not just somebody who's sworn allegiance to God, but you're precious to him. And that's so encouraging. But what that basically means, what does it mean? It means we're going to be healthy people together forever. No unhealthiness. Healthy people, souls restored and whole and 100% healthy. Healthy people together forever. And then he says, well, well, what happens? You proclaim, you proclaim his praises. You know, when we, we live in this unhealthy world, when there's people around us, you know, when you meet people, they tell you all their problems. They, they tell you all about all the stuff. They moan and they complain. And, and what, 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 what the reality is, what the truth is for us, is when their people tell you all the problems, well, you tell them about Jesus. You, you tell them who Jesus is and you ask them. You see if they want to join the family. And then he talks about how we've been called out of darkness into the marvellous night. And that's just so amazing, isn't it? You know, no matter what you've done, and you might think you've messed up permanently. You might think there's no way back. You might think you've done the most horrendous thing this week. You might have done something really rubbish this morning. And, and we all look at ourselves and we go, God couldn't possibly look at me. And then, you know, what, what he's saying is you, you no longer live in that darkness. Come into the light. Come into the light. You know, he's saying, I know what you've done. I've seen it in the light. I know who you are. And the good news is that every day, right now, I'm offering you a fresh start. There's a fresh start available for you because change is coming. In, you've got new life, new start, new uh, potential. So move on, move on. Just, just deal with it in my presence. Deal with it in my presence and let's move on. You know, here's the truth. For every one of us, we are about Jesus. Our job's not to look down on other people. Our job's not to judge people. Our job's not to attack people. Our job's not just to go around telling people what they're doing wrong. Our job is to show them Jesus. And how do we show them Jesus? By showing them our healthy soul, by walking in love, being healthy people. So get your bin liner out, pack away all that stuff that doesn't suit you anymore, doesn't fit you anymore. And remember, God is faithful. The Father's arms are open wide and he welcomes you with love. Amen. I'm going to come back in a moment. But I just want us now to, I'm just going to, we've just got a little something special that I just think the words that you're about to hear really are words to uh, meditate on and for right at this moment, right at this time, for the, the things that we are taking place amongst us, but also the things that are taking place in the world outside of us. So... I'll be back in a moment.
Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are so faithful, that you are so good, that you take us through the valley to the other side, that you are one who is always with us, that you lead us on, that you are our faithful, my, the fire by night and the cloud by day who leads us forward. And Lord, right now, I just thank you. I thank you for, for Jesus who paid for healing. And right now I speak healing to everyone Everyone who needs it in this church, everyone who needs it listening to this podcast, bodies be made whole, sickness go in Jesus' name, life filled in Jesus' name. I loose life, I loose healing in the name of Jesus. And Father, I just thank you, I thank you, I pray for everyone who in, in this church and listening to this podcast who needs provision right now. And I say, provision come. Angels, we send you to bring that provision in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you. We thank you that you take us through, that you lead us through. No matter what things look like outside, you are there with us all the time. You said you'd be with us always to the end of the age. And right now, Lord, I thank you that you are faithful, that you stay with us and you're always good. Amen. Amen, Faith Life. Have a great week. We'll see you again soon. Be blessed. The favour of God rests upon you. Amen.